The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is St. Mark. It is chapter 9, verses 38 through 50, and can be found on page 1569 in your pew Bible. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. And truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. And if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and that they were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. You know what a hyperbole is? Uh, hyperbole is the use of a over-the-top exaggeration to make a point. And parents do this all the time. For example, you may have said, you may have heard, if I told you once, I've told you a... Okay, or a million... That's hyperbole right there. You're right. A thousand, a million times. And as a parent, it may feel like I've told you 
a thousand or a million times. But in truth, it's, it's a little less than that, right? The real meaning of a sentence like that goes something like this. I have told you this so often, often enough, that you really should remember it, right? Now, Jesus often used hyperbole to make a point, as you just heard. And to Bonnie's grandchildren who just heard this and might go home and go, oh my gosh, they're talking about mangling people in church, grandma's church. Um, no, it's hyperbole. There you go. Dazzle them with hyperbole. Jesus said this, if your hand causes you to sin, then cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Three times Jesus tells us that it is better to mutilate ourselves than to allow sin to live in or on us. And with these hyperboles, Jesus is telling us that sin is very serious and that we need to get rid of it at any cost. At any cost. Jesus also wants us to understand that leading others into sin is a terrible, terrible thing. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now here, the Greek presents the picture of a millstone that is so large that a human cannot grind with it. It just can't be done. It's too big. But that a person would have to use a donkey to drive this millstone. Tracy and I were sitting together yesterday afternoon, early evening, and a show called The Sopranos came on on uh, HBO. And the millstone makes me think of what the stereotypical organized crime do with somebody who is a snitch or a rat, right? They go sleep with the fishes. They would uh, maybe put their feet in uh, cement, right? And then they'd, they'd throw them off. And it's a hopeless death that that person would succumb to. And Jesus is saying this, that such a fate as being tied to a stone and sinking in the depths of the sea, that such a fate is better than the fate that awaits somebody who causes one of the little ones to sin. That's what it means. So, although Jesus often used hyperbole to make a point, he never used it to talk about hell. You or me, one, cannot use hyperbole to teach about hell. 
In fact, there are no words in any earthly language that can exaggerate the horrors of hell. It's that bad. The limits of language mean that any description of hell would be an understatement. That the reason that Jesus is so serious about sin, that sin is actually more serious than a simple death on this earth. Sin leads to eternal death in hell. That's a hell that Jesus describes with horrible words, words like the worm does not die. The fire is not quenched. Hell is a wretched experience where one experiences all the horror and the terror and the torture of the dying process without release, without the release that one experiences in an earthly death. It is a dying process that lasts forever. As horrible as this all sounds, it really is an understatement of the eternal tortures of hell. So, it is indeed true that it is better to be handless or to be footless or to be half-blind or slowly drowned in the heart of a sea than to experience the eternal horror of hell. So, the question is, or the questions are, does chopping or lopping off body parts keep us from sinning? Does sin really originate in the hand or in the foot or in the eye? And if it did, could we really prevent sin by drowning at sea? It would be worth it if we could, but we just can't. If we chopped off every body part that participated in sin, we would soon be a congregation of deaf and mute and blind and armless and legless. We'd be a pitiful sight. But despite all of that, we would still be able to commit all kinds of sins. You see, Jesus starts each of those sentences about the eye, about the hand, and about the foot. He starts them with the word if. If is a hypothetical situation. If doesn't say it is that way, but it asks us to imagine what it would be like under a certain set of circumstances. In fact, the word if may produce a totally ridiculous idea with the purpose of introducing us to a much deeper truth. That is what Jesus is doing here. He is asking, well, he's teaching over the top, way over the top, in order to make a point. Okay, so stay with me here. Sin does not originate in a hand. 
Sin does not originate in a foot or in an eye. In the gospel reading from two weeks ago, the one where I took us all to a place I shouldn't have, but that is the inside of a diaper genie. Do you remember that? Well, Jesus, in that gospel from Mark 7, 20 through 23, said this, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, from our heart, and they defile a person. So the hand touches or does what the mind tells it to do. The foot goes where the mind tells it to go. And the eye looks where the mind tells it to look and then provides simple raw data for the mind to interpret. In all of these cases, it is the mind that uses these organs of the body to do good or to do evil. If we really wanted to go without sin, we'd have to amputate our minds. And of course, if we did that, we would all be dead. Without a mind, it doesn't make any difference if the rest of the body is tooling around like a finely tuned Ford. Okay, that's hyperbole. There isn't such a thing as a finely tuned Chevy. If the mind is dead, you are dead, and that is that, period. End of story, full stop. So as we follow along with Jesus' illustration and we take it to its logical conclusion, we find ourselves trapped in an impossible situation. And that is, sin is very serious because it leads to hell. And hell is a place of horror beyond all our contemplation. We just can't imagine. And since the ultimate source of all sin is in our thoughts and feelings, The only way that we can avoid sin with our own resources is not to think or feel. And the only way that we can do that is to not have lived in the first place. We are doomed. The moment that we were conceived, our only hope must come from outside of ourselves, for we cannot chop off the true source of our dilemma. We just can't do it. And that is the reason that Jesus took on his humanity. As the Son of God, he took on human hands, and he took on feet and eyes and all other features of humanity with one very important exception. That he took on humanity, but he did so without sinning. With his eyes... He saw the crowds, and he had compassion. And with his hands, he brought healing. And with his feet, he delivered the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus took all of his body parts, 
into the Jordan where John baptized him. And because that he had lived a sinless life, he could take our sin onto himself. And that is exactly what he did. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And through baptism in the Jordan, Jesus sanctified and he instituted all waters to be a blessed flood, a lavish, prodigal, washing away of sin. And Jesus carried our sins to the cross. Because he led a life without sin, his sacrifice would mean something. Because he was carrying our sin, he could offer up himself for us. And that's exactly what he did. He did not merely chop off a hand or a foot or an eye. No, he gave up all of the parts that we have ever used as we sin. He gave up everything. He gave up his hands, his feet, and they were nailed to the cross. And on that cross, he gave his hands, his feet, his eyes, and everything else. He gave his entire body as a sacrifice that secured eternal life for you and for me. And Jesus not only gave his body parts into death on the cross, but he also raised those same body parts in glory. He not only sacrificed himself to save us from hell, but he also promises a new eternal life with him in his resurrection. And even though Jesus said that it was better to enter heaven crippled than to enter hell with all of our body parts, he promises this. Which promises does he keep? Okay, listen to this promise. He promises to raise our bodies in perfection. He promises to raise our bodies so that sin is the only thing that we leave behind. We cannot use hyperbole to describe the resurrection to eternal life because earthly language just does not have the resources to apply hyperbole to heaven. And just as no earthly language has the words to exaggerate the evil of hell, so also no earthly language can exaggerate the good, the perfection of heaven. The perfection of heaven is simply beyond our understanding. And although we cannot fully understand these things, we do understand them enough. Enough to know a little bit. What do we know? Number one, we know that hell is a destination to be avoided at all cost. And number two, Heaven is a destination to be desired 
at all costs. And in spite of this, we have done everything we could to earn an eternity in hell. We are all conceived and born sinful and under the power of the devil. And we would be lost forever unless we were delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. We must have a deliverer. And he's here with you right now. Jesus Christ is that deliverer. Jesus is the only one who sacrificed his hands and his feet and his eyes and his blood and all his other body parts to rescue us from our sin. And he is the only one who raised his body after he died for us. And after he rose, he promised to raise us. And he is the only one who can keep such a promise. Only those who believe in Jesus have eternal life. And they will not perish, but live in perfect joy forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.